recorded live as part of homeschool.com's 2005 homeschooling teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. This morning, it is my very great pleasure to introduce you to Barb Shelton. Uh, Barb was one of our very popular guests in the 2004 teleconference, so he begged her to come back again this year. Uh, she's going to be talking about a God's-eye view of education. Uh, Barb and her husband have homeschooled for over 23 years. Uh, they operate a home-based ministry to homeschoolers from their home in Washington State called homeschooloasis.com, and I'll ask Barb to tell you some of the terrific uh, books and resources that she has on her website. Uh, her many-faceted message is a vital interest to uh, new homeschoolers as well as those uh, who feel that they might be uh, burning out. Uh, I particularly enjoy uh, Barb's sense of humor. I really enjoy speaking with her, and I know that you will, too. So um, welcome, Barb. Thank you very much for being with us again this year. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And I know that you have a grandbaby on the way any minute, so that you'll be uh, doing this interview and then racing off to the hospital. Well, not yet. We haven't got any word that it's time to go yet. She was due last Friday, but um, as we all know, babies come whenever God says it's time, so we're still waiting. So you're waiting for that tap on the shoulder. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Bob, we talk a lot about true education and what it really is. So can we start with what it is not? Yes. Um, what it is not is typically what people think it is when they first think of I'm going to homeschool. They, they get the idea in their mind that they're going to homeschool. And um, usually the first thoughts that, thoughts that come to our mind, if and unless our minds are renewed in this area, are usually what it, exactly what it is not. Um, and that's because the society that we live in has defined education. And um, if you look around our, our culture, our society, at um, pretty much everything, um, at the way uh, you know, the way that it's considered cool to dress, um, at our values, at, um, oh, just, I mean, everything, the language, you know, typically this is not the way God would have set it up in, in you know, in just it, the world without the Lord is not the way things would be set up in his eye. And so, um, so same with education. You know, why would we think that our culture would be able to biblically define education when it doesn't biblically define pretty much anything else, even relationships. I mean, if you, I, I can't stand watching TV because it's pretty much nothing but uh, very sour, sad, um, you know, the totally, um, what would you say, um, destructive relationships. I mean, everything is fasting, the children fasting parents, and, you know, everyone trying to get their way and go for their rights and all that. And and uh, so the same thing with education. Uh, what we see in the world is not what God wants us to have. He has something that is so much more for us. And so when uh, people typically think of, of homeschooling, they, they typically think, okay, where do I get my curriculum? And while curriculum can certainly be a part of, of education, it is really not the heart and soul of what God's idea of education is. So that's... That's the place we start, and I don't know if I'm blowing a few minds with that, but anybody that's heard my message knows that I'm, it's not that I'm anti-curriculum, that's, that's not it, it at all. Um, what I am is, um, is just against the idea that education 
is or equal curriculum. And so a lot of people think that the more they spent on curriculum, the better the children's education. And um, that's just not the case at all. It's, it's quite a different picture. Well, of course, now, Bob, you're a respected expert in um, high school homeschooling as well as elementary homeschooling. So let's give our listeners some um, specifics. For example, um, some common misperceptions that people have about education. So can you talk about some of the common mistakes that people make when um, homeschooling their young child and their, uh, their older child and what suggestions you would have for it? Or was approaching homeschooling from a Christian perspective, huh? where, where your goal is this true education that you're talking about. Let's try to give, let's try to give our listeners some specifics. Okay. Um, well, basically a common misperception is that, um, it's kind of what I had already said, that um, as far as curriculum equals, Know, good, uh, good education, and um, I'd like to quote John Taylor Gatto. I, I absolutely love his writings. He's um, stepped out in an area that few people have dared <laughs> to step out in, and um, I'm going to quote something that he has said. I'm going to I'm going to just read it to you here. He says, "It is absurd and anti-life to be part of a system that compels you to sit in confinement with people of exactly the same age and social class." That system effectively cuts you off from the immense diversity of life and the synergy of variety. Indeed, it cuts you off from your own past and future, feeling you in a continuous present much the same way television does. It is absurd and anti-life to move from cell to cell at the sound of a gong for every day of your natural youth in an institution that allows you no privacy and even follows you into the sanctuary of your home, demanding that you do its homework. And that is one of my biggest things um, is, is this whole thing of homeschoolers imitating the system. That's one of our biggest misperceptions is that we think we have to imitate the system. Really, the system is a poor imitation of what education is supposed to be in the home. Many, many years ago and throughout most of mankind, really, the school system as we know it never even existed. Uh, they finally set it up. Of course, that's a whole long history, and actually John Taylor Gatto has uh, some very good uh, information on that in, in actually a few of his books. I don't remember the exact titles. I know Dumbing Us Down is one of them, but he has another one that he's written more recently that explains all that as far as what the school system is. And yet we think we're supposed to imitate that, and yet what we really end up doing is imitating the imitation. And uh, what the way God designed education to work really actually gets stifled in the school setting, and that is not just if we have our children in the school system, but most of us, when we come out of the system, uh, think that we are supposed to bring that system back into our home, and then that's where what God wants to do really ends up getting stifled. Of course, so the reason for that, Bob, is because you know, kind of homeschooling can be pretty scary in the beginning, and most likely, you know, the homeschooler, the, the parent was raised in a traditional school setting, and they're, exactly. they see their neighbors and their family members sending their children off to a traditional school setting. So sometimes there is that response to set up that the school system in our home. Right, and because the, the reason for that, and it's, it's from a good heart, it's just that it's, it's safe in, in our minds. That's the safe place to start because that's, that's all that we know, and that is why um, I do what I do. I, I have uh, created something that I call a season of re-education and renewing of the mind. Now, I have actually not created that at all. It's actually something God has taken me through. And really, probably anyone that is homeschooled for any length of time, he's been taking through that, taking them through the very same kind of a thing as well. Um, it's just that we don't give it a 
name. You know, I, I gave it a name because we live in Washington State, and um, and it also ended up being, in Washington State we have to have a course in homeschooling. Uh, that's one of four options to homeschool here. However, and, and so that's why I set up my course, I, I, which really is only just all sorts of resources that I myself have learned from, including John Taylor Goddard's writings, but also including Marilyn Hauschel, who has Lifestyle of Learning, and um, actually many other authors. And as you read these, you start seeing, wow, this is not at all what I thought it was, your values and your ideas, the way you start seeing your children and you see your home life and see the giftings that God put in your children. All this starts shifting. You start moving away from thinking that just pouring a big pile of a wonderful scope and sequence approved 3D full-color curriculum down their heads is, is really not what God's idea is. His idea is, is he put each one of us here on earth. I guess this could be kind of a little synopsis of it, is that he put each person here on earth for a specific reason. Part of that is to fellowship with him and walk with him through life and to get to know him through all the ups and downs of life. Um, but also he put each one here, I believe, for a specific purpose. There is there is something that he put me here on earth to do that nobody else is going to be called to do, maybe in the same arena, but not the exact same thing. And I believe that part of education is preparing our children for whatever that thing is. And that it's not so much a certain thing to do, but it's a who you are and what you bring to, to this planet and, and to relationships and to each of the the roles that we find ourselves in, and um, it's extremely exciting, but usually that gets buried in our pilot curriculum because we've got to get this stuff done. We spend all this money on it, and we better get all this stuff done. And in the meantime, all these opportunities that God is bringing our way, um, they're just kind of getting, well, brushed to the side or, or left in the dust because we're too busy to see what God is actually doing in our life. And we've, we've got to get our list um checked off, and not that there's anything wrong with lists. I am the queen of lists, and I love lists, but God has just shown me that um, I have got to let the list be second and, and his priorities be first, uh, or I'm going to miss what, the, what he has. And there isn't any one certain thing that is. It's different for every person. That's why this is a little bit scary, as you were saying, Rebecca. It's, it's, um, it is scary, especially when you think of the responsibility of, of education, you know, what that is. Um, but if we get, get God's heart on it, God's idea of it, um, then we are going to go the way that he wants us to. And we won't find ourselves years down the road uh, looking at poor fruit in our children. Um, they may have, you know, what happens so often is, is kids have all this stuff in their heads. They just have all sorts of knowledge and they can score well on a test. But the relationships between parent and child and children and children um, are very poor, very um, disrespectful, um, non-regarding of each other. Um, they might do well academically, but they're not doing well in the areas that God actually calls them to do well in. And it's not that you have to have one or the other. I realize that. But um, but God just has a different different focus. And the sooner we get his focus and his perspective, the more peace we will have because that's, that's the big thing for many homeschooling moms is, am I doing enough? There's always a vague sense of in your kind of in your gut of, oh, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. And usually that is not so much because they're not doing enough academically. That might be true for some. There are some that that needs to be a, a bigger thing. But for the most part, that means that we just aren't focusing on the things that God is wanting us to focus on. So trusting ourselves a little bit more. Well, for me, it's trusting the Lord. I don't trust myself at all. I know what you mean by that, but um, I have I have specifically gone through, the Lord's taken me through lessons of, no, you really can't trust 
him. That's the only place. Um, the only thing I can trust is God at work in me. And <laughs> it's kind of a scary thing at times because I was sure when I started out homeschooling that I would ruin my children. I just, that was my biggest fear was that, that them being with me on a daily basis 24-7 was going to ruin them. And um, it's really God's grace that has taken us all through it and drawn us closer through it. Uh, I think humility is one of the hugest things that, that's going to keep you connected with your children, which is, which is a big, big part of what this message is all about, is staying connected with our children, getting their hearts. And so often we get these big demands of our kids and, you know, we have all these things we want them to complete. And so they're, I mean, I have so many parents tell me that, especially with math, uh, that seems to be, this is a huge, huge thing with homeschoolers, is getting the math done. And many parents have told me, I mean, probably hundreds have said that, Math actually divided them from their child, and I have written a whole article on that. I call it um, tongue-in-cheek, The Problem with Math, and uh, it's at my website. And by the way, anything that I, I talk about, there's probably an article at my website. You just go to www.homeschooloasis.com, and that's homeschooloasis, just homeschool, one word, oasis, O-A-S-I-S, and that's all one word, no dots in between, homeschooloasis. And uh, then scroll down to the bottom of that first page that you come to, and you can type in anything. There's a little search feature with a little magnifying glass there, and you can type in anything. Like, for instance, you can type in the problem, you know, just even type in problem math. That's all you need to remember, and that will that'll pop up a link to the article that I wrote on that because I believe that math and actually academics in general are pretty much an idol in our country. We, we tend to bow down to them. Idol is, an idol is anything you bow down to to the exclusion of other things of importance. And... Um, Math and academics are just a huge idol, I believe, in our country. No one would say that, you know, no one would say, oh, that's the idol I bow down to, but, but it is the way that they operate, and, and God wants to break us of that, too, so that we can get our children's hearts and not lose them along the way and uh, not lose the fruit that we want to see in them. Of course, you have several children, Bob, and they've, a lot of them have graduated, and they've turned out very well-educated. Yep, they're, they're wonderful people, inside and out, and have gone on to do things that required actual intelligence. And <laughs> one of my fears is, oh, dear, am I going to be able to teach them enough? But, you know, that is really, a, a, really the least of our problems. They're, all you have to be able to do is read. I, you, you educate yourself. It's, you don't have to know all these things. I have learned, oh, I got an education all over again walking through it with my children. I learned very little in school. It wasn't, it, it just wasn't conducive. Some children do well in that environment, but that doesn't mean they do well with the whole person that environment. They may score well, you know, on tests, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are even doing well as far as being educated, and that's another thing that has to has to shift is our, our view of testing. That's just um, something man has concocted to to figure out how the masses are doing within its own system. It's, that's not God's, um, that's not God's uh, system is testing. He has other tests that are far more important than, than how much uh, academic uh, how many little details have, have stuck to our brains. Um, they really stick much better when we're doing education in the way God wants us to, which is walking through real life and then applying all of these resources to what is really going on in our real life. Although there is also, you know, we do want to do science and do um, do some math and, um, and learn history. So those are things that it's not like you just wait until someone asks a question about those and then we do, do it. But but it's a much lighter load than what people are typically carrying. Typically, we are pretty heavy laden. I, I know very few homeschooling moms that are not heavy laden. It's all over their face. It's in their eyebrows. I just want to go and give them a little massage on the forehead and say, oh, Jesus, 
opinion, is true education. True education, I think, is, first of all, you, you cannot get it until you're willing to lay down your current ideas of what it is. Just lay them down at the feet of the Lord and say, okay, God, I want to start with you. You have to have a um, level place to begin with. You don't just start it on top of what your own ideas are, or all that will happen is you will just get ideas that will add to your vote. So you have to be willing to unload first. And then and then you say, okay, Lord, what do you have for us? What do you want this to look like for us? Because if he has different roles, different purposes for putting different people on earth, then there are going to be different ways of getting children ready for that. Of course, it really begins with the parents becoming a learner themselves. This isn't just about um, how can I best do this with my children. But the best thing you can do is, is be a learner yourself and, and love reading and, um, you know, love finding out things and searching out things yourself. Not that we all have a lot of time for that, but if that's your heart, um, then that really is going to be catching with your children. And so uh, true education is going to involve, um, first, really the parents becoming learners themselves. Um, and the true education also really is about redeeming and healing unsatisfactory family situations. Um, many people come into the homeschooling arena for reasons of children not doing well in school. Um, and, and I don't mean just academic. I mean socially, um, they are they're having a very hard time. Primarily socially, isn't it? Pardon me? It is primarily socially, isn't it? Yes, although there are some that, that the children might be flunking out, you know, academically. But, but really, though, that is probably going to link back to something, you know, on the social end of things. And uh, they're troublemakers or... You know, uh, you know, all sorts of problems. And that is really the first thing that God wants to deal with. He does not want you to go out and get your $1,000 pile of curriculum and start pouring that into their minds and think that that is going to remedy the situation. That is probably the number one mistake that families make. God is giving them a chance to redeem the situation with their children, which usually starts relationally with the parents. The problem a lot of times started at home, and this isn't to put a, a big guilt trip onto parents, but it does start with us because it, even in one situation I dealt with that I helped counsel a family, um, their their child was in the school system for I think up through maybe about seventh grade, and at that point things were pretty bad. The the child they had totally lost her heart, and um, oh goodness, all all sorts of horrible things were happening, and and so we got together and counseled with them, and they were very upset and angry with the system. They said it's just a cesspool in there. And what the Lord led me to do was to gently bring them around to the place of admitting that even though the quote-unquote cesspool was not something they created, they had allowed their child to be in there. And many people who start homeschooling when their children are in junior high and senior high, they have to start with that place. Like I said earlier, it's a place of humility, of recognizing, okay, I did not uh, create that problem. However, I did allow my child to go into it. And, and so there are, there are a myriad of problems that are going to be made to be dealt with at home. And they do not start with just setting your child down with this beautiful pile of curriculum. They start with dealing with the child's heart. And there are some books that I think before they even read a single homeschool book, they need to start with um, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp or um, The Key to Your Child's Heart by Gary Smalley. Um, also, uh, How to Win the Heart of a Rebel by Pastor Sam, uh, Sam Davis, I believe is his name. 
Um, we do sell all those, but you can buy those anywhere else. I only sell them because um, I like to be able to be kind of a one-stop shopping center for people once they make it to my website. But you can buy those anywhere, you know, Christian bookstores for the most part. And those are the place to start because if you did not get your child's heart early on or keep your child's heart, even if you started homeschooling from day one, then everything else falls apart. That's the foundation of it. And that involves a great deal of humility and patience and love and grace on the parent's part. Um, even with me, even having started out homeschooling from the beginning, I had still done things wrong along the way and had to go to my children and ask for forgiveness. I mean, even just in the last few months, and this is either relationally or even educationally because I allowed my focus to get in a wrong place. And, and that, of course, created problems with my children. And uh, so you don't go and just grab you know, territory back that the enemy is taking, you have to gently, lovingly, and graciously go after it very, very gently, or you will either not get your child's heart back or lose it in the process of it. So so that's just part of what true education is. I know that is not what people expect it to be, um, but that's really where it starts. It's about growing the whole child, um, their mind, yes, but also and primarily their heart, their soul, and their character, because those are really their most fundamental, true educational needs. And if, if those are left unattended, way down at the bottom of the list beneath a pile of scope and sequence approved curriculum, then all of our other efforts are in vain. It's so beautifully put, Bob. I attended a homeschool graduation uh, not too long ago, and um, each family would get up, and one after another, they kept thanking the mother for her sacrifice, mm-hmm. for all of her hard work. And after about 20 of those, I felt really sad. Because I've been homeschooling for 14 years myself, and it has never felt like a sacrifice. It hasn't always been, you know, a bowl of chocolate. Right. But but I've never felt like I'm sacrificing it. For the most part, I really enjoy it. I find it very fulfilling. Absolutely. So, I mean, how can we how can we avoid that? How can we help homeschoolers have this uh, beautiful experience where they're really in touch with their their child's heart and they feel like they're on the path and they can take it a little easier on themselves? I mean, we all have self doubt. But just kind of to enjoy the homeschooling journey a little bit more. Well, it really starts with the mind. And, and that is why it is so important to get our minds renewed as to what education is, to get our focus shifted. In fact, there's something else I want to um, share here that has to do with what true education is. And the more we can get this, um, the, the more all that will shift and they will, they will actually be free then to see everything differently. It's not a matter of how can I change my thinking. It's a matter of how can I get all my wrong thinking out, and then I'm free to think the way God originally actually set it up. It's already there, but because our thinking is so skewed, um, that changes our priorities, which totally changes our life. Um, In uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, um, and by the way, Webster's Dictionary currently is not even close to what the 1828 Dictionary was. This is an absolutely amazing work uh, by Noah Webster, and um, he actually includes scripture and princi- uh, biblical principles in the definitions of the words. Um, so I'm going to just share what, this, um, what his definition of education is, and if parents can get this, if they read this to themselves five times a day and say, Lord, would you help me apply this in our real life? Their life will change. That is how huge this is. This is what he says. Education is the bringing up as of a child, instruction, formation of manners. Education comprehends all that series of instruction and discipline which is intended to enlighten the understanding, 
correct the temper, and form the manners and habits of youth and fit them for usefulness in their future stations. To give children a good education in manners, arts, and science is important. To give them a religious education is indispensable, and an immense responsibility rests on parents and guardians who neglect these duties. And I just want to add to that that we just, we cannot afford to miss this. We have only one chance with our children. I mean, it's a, it's a several-year-long chance, maybe an 18-year-long chance or 21-year-long. But once they're out of the house, then they, we are no longer their primary influences. In fact, the older they get into the teen years, we're no longer always primary. Um, hopefully we are, you know, and, and hopefully we'll be a very huge influence all through their lives. Our children that have graduated are still, um, we, are, we are still an influence in their life. Although, you know, Rebecca, the funny thing is, um, the older our children get, if we have discipled them and they are, you know, wonderful people, then we end up also learning from our children. <laughs> And so even my 18-year-old daughter, um, she she says things to me at times that are correcting to me, and uh, but in a very respectful and loving way. And so if we've done a good job with them, then they're going to end up being our mentors as well once we get into those adult years. But uh, the sooner we seek and hear God on his plan for educating his children, then the less time we're going to waste. And there's a scripture that says, um, talks about the work that God has prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. And that goes along right along with that Webster's 1828 Dictionary Definition of Education, which is to fit them for usefulness in their future station. Um, and there, everyone, every person has a different future station, and that's why one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter education is not going to be what everybody needs. We don't need to be as concerned as we typically are about fulfilling all the requirements of the educational system because the educational system is not fitting our children for usefulness in their future station. We need to focus in more on, on what does God have for my child. I believe that they, we all do need a good foundation in history, and we all need a basic foundation in science and in English. So I am not negating those things at all, but typically what happens is homeschoolers especially, because they've brought their children home and now have this responsibility, um, they think that they have to jump through just about every hoop there is, and they think that doing being excellent in, in homeschooling means jumping through all of the hoops and preparing their child for every station that they could be, possibly be, be fit for and, um, and for every college. And that ends up being a burden that nobody can carry. They, you end up, everything gets, end up, ends up getting uh, watered down, uh, washed out to the point of they're not getting prepared for anything specific in their own life because they're too busy jumping through all the hoops that everybody else thinks that they ought to be doing. And a lot of times pride is at the base of that. So, again, we come back to humility. We have to lay that down and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to lay down what people think about me so that what you have for us, um, I am free to hear that. So, that now, you've been homeschooling for 23 years, and you have five children. Is that correct? Well, I have I have three that I gave birth to, and then two of them got married, actually within one week of each other. So I, I went from three children to five children within <laughs> one week. But my two that are the, um, the uh, spouses of our two married ones, Chrissy is our son Tori's wife, and then Sam is our, our daughter Charnette's husband, um, they very quickly became my children as well. And, in fact, we are continuing on in wonderful parents child and also friend-friend relationships with them, and it's, it's just a wonderful thing. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, they're so lucky to have you as their mother-in-law. But Bob, give us an idea, if you would, um, so especially when the children were younger. What was a typical homeschooling day like for you? Well, there, we, because they work shift work, we actually
whatever else I'm going to say about this, the first thing is to be flexible because, um, again, you want to pull out the idea that we must be starting school at 8 o'clock with the flag salute. Of course, we started with that as well. And you can do the flag salute. You can start at 8 if you want. But, but really, uh, for us, it was more of a real-life approach, and we would start, um, I mean, just with getting up. And, and uh, the, the thing that I think is the best to, for anybody to do is to have some kind of routine, like have a morning order, have um, just certain things that you want to get done in the morning. And usually we would not even do any kind of homeschool reading until afternoons and um, maybe a little devotional time in the morning and connect and get our, our things figured out, what we want to do. Um, the younger they are, the more they do with you. And then as they get older, they do more things on their own. So that's kind of a general thing to keep in mind as well. But um, our day would include um, jobs, um, you know, um, things to do around the house, chores, that kind of thing. And and so what I would do is have a, a list of what they were supposed to do, and then I would also have um, a, a job list, and then I would also have um, a checkoff chart, which this is in one of my books called Homeschool Jumpstart Navigator, and it's a chart that would encompass morning order kinds of things. It would in- include seven days a week. It would be put on a clipboard. And then there would be certain things that we would want to do every day, like there would be, like I said, the morning order. Then there would be things for homeschool time. And then we might do, um, oh, like one thing for math. And a lot of times what I did is I set up um, excuse me, a two- or three-week lesson plan, quote-unquote lesson plan. It would be ideas of, okay, let's see, I want to teach them about money. I want to teach them Roman numerals. And I put all these little things that were just had come to my mind that I wanted to teach them about. English, I want to teach them um, prepositions. We're going to work on prepositions. And so in our daily life, we would, we would, I would, or in reading the word, oh, Psalms is a great place to find tons of prepositional phrases. So you read the word and then you, you talk about, you go, okay, now, you know what, I'm noticing there's a preposition here. And so, you know, you talk about that. And so this is just kind of a real quick synopsis of what might happen in one day. Obviously, every day is different and we don't do this every day, but uh, there would be, um, a lesson in English, a lesson like a craft kind of a thing, something science-ish, and then our reading time together. And those would change every day. I would have ideas set up and things ready to go. Um, and I have little forms and charts for all those as well. In fact, those are also in the Jumpstart Navigator, most of them. And then also another seminar I do called um, Real Life Homeschool Record Keeping and Organizing. And I have like a, oh, about a third of an inch thick pack of all sorts of forms. So I do have lots of practical stuff as well, um, ways that will help you organize and get some kind of order, some kind of structure without it being the schoolish system structure because we do need structure. I mean, you look at any tree, you look at flowers, everything has a structure. There is order to it. It's just that what we try to typically do is come up with, we try to impose the world's structure into our home, and it's not a right fit. It's heavy. So so what I, I like to do is help people come up with things that will be a right fit for their homeschool and that will help them to incorporate what God is bringing into their day into some kind of a structure. And so that way they have certain things that, okay, I know we want to get these things done. We're flexible over here. And if God brings us something different, then we'll do that. But otherwise, we'll go ahead with this little lesson. And so the idea, the bottom line idea is that you do have order. You do have certain things you get done every day. We have never been able to stick to a certain time frame. So you will never get a do this at 9, do this at 10. There's absolutely nothing magical about it about having a, a time thing, unless that works for you. It did not for me. So for us, it was more, let's get these things done, and then we'll also take what God brings our way. Usually we see those things, that, that unexpected phone call from a friend who's having a hard time and, or a death, and you need to take dinner to somebody. We see those as interruptions, and 
instead what we would do is we'd let something else go and then fix that um, a cake for for somebody and uh, you know or go see somebody with a new baby I mean there's just all I mean hundreds and thousands of things really that that come into our life but rather than see those as interruptions see those as part of God's curriculum for your family and incorporate them into what you're already doing and uh, get the most out of those situations so you mentioned record keeping Bob what are some of the forms that you have at homeschooloasis.com um the forms are actually more in the books. Um, I do have quite a few. Let me think here. If they go, well, not too many for younger years. I do have several high school forms. And so if you go to that first page again, homeschooloasis.com, go down to the to the search feature and type in high school, just type in high school help. That will take you to a page that has just a ton of stuff for high school. And if you scroll down towards the bottom of that, there are several different forms. Um, that, that you can use, although most of them for high school are in senior high home design formula. And then I also have those now available electronically. That's something new since last year. Lots of people over the years have said, uh, we love your forms, but we would love to be able to just open them up in our own computer and tweak them and print them out from our, our printer. And so we now have, oh, I've got probably at least a couple hundred forms available that way. And some of the forms are for organizing mom, you know, organizing yourself, um, organizing a notebook for the student uh, for high school. Uh, some of them are learning guides, what I call learning guides, to just help you get the most out of, like, for instance, a uh, concert or performance or a play that you go to. Or, uh, like, we have uh, another resource we, we love called, um, one, one version of it is called the Great American Bathroom Book, another is called Compact Classics. It's the same item, but... What they did is they came out with Great American Bathroom Books, and then people who homeschooled wanted a more classy name. <laughs> so they gave it a new cover, and it's all the same stuff inside that I have for that, um, a, a form called the Book Synopsis. And that is uh, a way to utilize, um, oh, there's just hundreds and hundreds of, of synopses of all the classics and, and all sorts of, of books that are out today. And uh, so that gives you a way to utilize that. And so anyway, I just have, and then for the younger years, I have just all sorts of forms. For, uh, well, not that many, but I have I have for like starting out with um, tiny tots, like you know three and four years old, when you just want to organize um, just projects. I call it the project ready planner, and so I've just got little places for mom to put uh, different things that she's either you know read in one of her her books that she's got, like Oh Osborne, Dorling Kindersley, uh, Janice Van Cleve, lots of lots of wonderful resources. Um, for science and then, you know, anything else. And so that's just a place to organize it and make sure you've got everything ready. Like, you know, you might go to make a, to do a mountain um, or a volcano kind of a thing, and you've got everything except, oh, we used the last of our vinegar yesterday. So the Project Ready Planner helps you, gives you a place to organize what you want to do and make sure you've got all the ingredients um, handy for it. And then I go on to a little bit older children and, and have more ideas for that and, um how to organize on mom's end and what I call dishing it out to your children because um, that is that is a way to get it out of mom's head. I mean, I only have two at a time. Charnessa um, and Tori are a year and a half apart. And so they we kind of did, you know, things with them for a long time. Well, then Carly Ann came along nine years after Charnessa, so she was in her own whole separate thing. She was a baby when they were going through all this elementary kind of stuff. And so I had Charnessa and Tori that I was wanting to organize. And I only had a total of three children. Other moms with four, five, six, seven, eight, nine children, uh, really it's hard for them to keep track of things. And so that's what, that's one of the forms I, I have is, I mean, a mom could do this themselves. I, I do not have an edge on forms, but 
I have come up with quite a few that that help it, help mom dish out the stuff to their children so that it does not have to stay in her head. For me, I can't even keep track of one child's stuff in my head, let alone two or three or four. So um, I just come up with forms that um, would be something for the child to check off, and they can see what they have, and they would say, well, Mom, can I watch such and such on TV? And, and instead of me thinking, okay, let's see, they needed to have such and such and such and such done, I would say, well, do you have the stuff done on your, on your chart? And I wouldn't even have to remember what that was. I put it on there, you know, a few hours ago, but I wouldn't have to remember. So they would say, no, I don't. I'd say, okay, finish the stuff on your chart, and, and then you're free to do that or go outside and play or, or whatever. So my forms are for organizing mom and then helping mom organize her children and then organizing chores around the house. I also have, like, a homeschool, um, a homeschool, um, I can't think of the word, a um, report card, hard word. Um, a report card for the child, which has more to do with interest and character and rather than grades. And, uh, but I have that in there as well, and we use that with our children for several years. Bob, uh, what advice do you have if your children, you, you want them to do studies and they don't want to? What do you do? Well, it really, you, you have to start. I, I couldn't give a blanket answer to that because I would have to know how much are they already doing. If you have a child that does not want to do any studies, you've been very flexible and you've had a lot of real-life learning, and they don't want to do any studies, um, first of all, look at the age. If they're five years old, then I, I would not force the studies. There, there are many, many ways to learn all sorts of things where children don't even know that they're learning. Um, but if they're starting to get a little older, um, and, and, and well, for one thing, by studies, I would also be doing very short um, sorts of studies the younger they are, and uh, even on through fifth, sixth grade, just, you know, 20 minutes at a time. Um, so if you say studies, and by that, you know, you mean that we've done these things, you know, I've had my six-year-old doing something for three hours here, and they don't want to do more, well, then I say, you know what, you're already doing way more than is, is, is going to be a good fit for most children. 